0: Welcome to the Authors Way podcast, a journey to finding your voice. I believe that our stories are powerful. Our experience have helped to teach us important lessons and our stories help us to use those lessons to teach others. Stay tuned to hear some great stories and learn how you can use your own stories to raise your professional profile, promote your brand and become a published author. Hey there. Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, The Journey to Finding Your Voice. My name is Jennifer Wright, and I am your podcast host. So I have a real treat for, for us today, for you, for me. I'm very excited. I am being joined today by Ellen Nichols. Ellen recently wrote and published her memoir. So Ellen was born and raised in the Deep South in South Alabama. And so that's a, a big connection for me because as you know, I grew up in Alabama or you may not have known that. So there's a lot of things that I really related to in her story. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to her about it today. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, um, I just wanna let you know that this podcast is being sponsored by ExecuWrite. We are a book writing partner, book consultant, We help professionals and business leaders to share their stories, to get their words out into the world, to share their expertise with the world, and to help build their businesses and build their careers through writing and publishing their books. Helps them set them apart from others in the market. So if you have a book in your head, in your heart, in your soul, I would love to have a conversation with you about it. I love hearing people's stories and see if there's a way we can maybe help you get those stories out into the world. So head over to our website execurite.com. that's e x e c u w r i g h t.com. Take a look at our program and send me a note. Would love to would love to get together and have a have a conversation about what you're working on. So Ellen, welcome so much. I I'm so excited for you to be here. I loved the book. I just recently finished it and it it was such a great read. Such great stories and like I said, you know, growing up in Alabama, I saw a lot of very familiar themes. So it was it was really
1: great and, I, and so I'm so happy you were able to join me today. Well, thank you for me. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks.
0: Nice. So tell us a little bit more about
1: you. You grew up in South Alabama, but you didn't stay there. No, I grew up in South Alabama and Northwest Florida in the Panhandle <laughs> in Pensacola. My dad was a Methodist preacher and we moved a lot. And Pensacola First Methodist was his church for seven years. At the longest I lived in one place. So I was steeped in the South. But in a bizarre moment of something, I decided to go to Toronto, Canada to go to graduate school, and that was really because my mom was from Toronto, and we went every summer up to visit my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and cousins, and I was looking at places to go to graduate school, couldn't afford the Sorbonne, so I decided to go to University of Toronto, and that's what I did, and lived there for 50 more years. i joke on my website and say, I I wasn't that bad a student, that it took me 50 years, but I ended up getting married and having a family and a long career of charitable fundraising. And I loved it. They were wonderful. And they loved my stories up there. And that's what eventually led me to write them down. Is I love that it. I loved them so much that I, I thought, hey, but I couldn't sell it up there because they kept going, this is a book about the deep south. We're Canadian. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but when I moved back down here, I did it. Nice. I love
0: stories and books about the South, maybe because it's just so relatable. I see myself so much in the stories, but I find, I, I found your story so interesting and, and intriguing. And, and I don't think I mentioned the name of the book. So the name of the book is Remember Whose Little Girl You Are.
1: So you grew up the daughter of a Methodist minister. Right. And my mother was also the daughter of a Methodist minister, a uh, Canadian, and he was never had a church in particular. He was an academic, but she was steeped in the whole thing of the Methodist Church. So I was surrounded. So you
0: talk in the book about being the the preacher's daughter, kind of the the epitome of of the preacher's daughter. And if you're not from the South, I know that was something I grew up hearing about. The preacher's daughter was always. A little bit wild, a little bit, a little bit different. So, which honestly makes four very interesting stories. Well, so, I had
1: three sisters who chose to be the proper preacher's daughter. Uh-huh. So I was left up to me to be the wild one.
0: Right, right. Nice. I love it. I love it. So what made you decide to, we talk a lot about on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the writing process and, and the book process. What made you decide to,
1: to write your book? Well, all of my jobs involved writing. Usually grant proposals or thank you letters. And it's funny because this was up in Canada. And one of my bosses, who was the head of the YWCA of Greater Toronto, told me that all my letters had a Southern accent. <laughs> and I remember Norman Jewison gave me a really interesting left-handed compliment I worked for him for four years, putting together a film school that he had been his dream. You remember Norm in the, in the Heat of the Night, mm-hmm. a the film director, but I used to write all all the letters that I wanted him to send out. I used to write them, and one time he, he took a letter and started reading it and turned around to me and said, Ellen, you give good letter. And I said, As a preacher's daughter, I'm not sure that's the best compliment I've ever had, but I laughed over that one. So all my life, my adult life, I was writing for other people. And then I just got, when so many people wanted to hear these stories, I just got the idea to write them down. And there is one thing that seems to, sorry, I'm getting hoarse here, that seems to really hit home when people read my book is they say it's so honest. So my recommendation to anyone writing about their past, be honest. Right. Be more interesting. Also make it humorous, too, because then people will stay with you. So that's my advice.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people who talk about their memoirs, and a, a few will say, you know, that's not something I can put on paper until while my parents are still here or so you were there was a lot of bravery in putting your stories down because you know our stories are when we're honest about them they're not all happy and and positive sometimes there's tragedy sometimes there's you know we make mistakes and we you know we do things so it's very it's a very brave thing to do to write your stories down and share them
1: you may notice in one of the blurbs on the cover of the book, or inside the book, she talks about how I did so much for women's rights by writing that book. and You just jumped in there and did it, and you've inspired all of us that were are afraid to do it. So, and that's again the honesty thing. But I did worry about what, what would happen, who would maybe come after me with a shotgun. I don't know. But so far, so good
0: good there was a lot of in your stories and in your life there was a lot of growing up in south alabama at the time there was a lot of a lot of things going on with the civil rights movement and you tell about a lot of things that you did to to really push the envelope there so it was that was it
1: really showed a lot of your bravery even at that time as well I did. There's one incident in the book in which I marched to the back of the bus in Montgomery and sat down and the bus driver started yelling, you're sitting in the wrong place. Get up here. I said, no, this is fine. I'm I'm happy. And he was so so mean that I finally, he came down away from where his post was back toward me. And honestly, I was uh, afraid and I was making all the black people around me uncomfortable because they were sitting in the back like they were supposed to. I was sitting there and I wasn't supposed to. So I finally ended up getting off the bus and walking back to wherever I was going to go because the man became so vehement. That was the 60s. Yeah. That, yeah, I lived in kind Montgomery. Kind of in the height of of everything. And you attended the March at Selma? Uh, on March 25th, 1965 where they actually came in and there was a a huge gathering on St Jude's a hospital's land, you know, campus whatever you want to call it. And everybody gathered there hundreds of thousands of people. And I had inspired six of the girls to go with me, and we were all kind of really pale and really blonde. We kind of stood up like stood out like, you know, I don't know what what it was, but I wrote about that in the book and it really was one of the most thrilling incidents in my entire life because a bunch of black kids our age glommed onto us. We all got together and they went why we were there and we explained it. We thought it was history in the making. We wanted to support it. And um, so that was that was an important thing in my life. Yeah.
0: Did you find that there were any stories that you kind of hesitated on that you were, oh, I'm not sure if I can, not sure if I can share that. You don't have to tell the story, but yeah. But was there anything that you, that you just kind of got nervous about that, that you weren't sure whether or not you could share it?
1: I shared one story about a dear, dear friend who took his own life and I mm-hmm. worried about the effect of writing about that, the effect it would have on his family, but nobody's gotten in touch with me. I didn't name him, you know, but anybody from Andalusia would know who it was. So I worried about that one. I thought maybe the the teacher that I spoke of, the racist to the core teacher, I thought maybe he was going to come after me with a shotgun, but he passed away several months ago, so I didn't get to read it. (laughs) And I was wishing he had, I wish he knew what, what I had already told him. That was the whole problem. We had these huge altercation in class when I corrected what he said about who was causing all the violence in the freedom riders. He said it was black people, and I said, you're wrong. It was not. It was white agitators. You know, he just went crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. So, again, honesty pays off because it made me feel good that I told the truth. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: So. Did you run into while you were writing your book, what kind of what kind of challenges did you run into? did you Did
1: you have any challenges, or, or did you find it a, a pretty easy process? I guess maybe I've just always been a a writer, so I found it quite easy and fun to write it down. And I did go back and tweak a couple of things, but pretty well, it's today it is as it first was put on paper. Nice. Yeah. I just carried that all with me and kept adding to it and yeah, it was interesting. And and it was really inspired by the Canadians loving my stories. I love telling stories. I as you may have noticed, I'm a raconteur yep. as I call it. Yeah. Yes. And I came by that honestly, my mom was also a great storyteller and she was going to write a book and she had already named it. It was gonna be called Ten Times a stranger because that's how often we moved the methodist uh-huh. church around the south she was from toronto so and then she she kept saying i guess i have to wait until all the people in it are dead before i publish it before i write it and then unfortunately she died very young she just turned 69 oh well wow. so she didn't get to see my book
0: you know that is one of the things that's interesting about your story also and it's very different this is this is a big difference for me i my parents still live in the house that I was born in, so
1: continuity in your life, yes,
0: yes. So that was part of the story that was that was very different for me. I didn't move around when I was a kid. I remember having friends that would come in and out, you know, people that that would move into the area, you know, of course, military always. Military kids always move around, so that's a, an interesting part of your story, having to pick up and and shift quite often when you were when you were a kid.
1: Yeah, as as I said, the longest we lived in one place was Pensacola, and that was seven years. Otherwise, it was three, mm-hmm. three in Prattville, three in Greenville, three in Georgiana, three. Bruton might have been four.
0: So how, but, much, how much do you feel that, that that really kind of influenced your life and, and,
1: you know, how you sort of related to the world? You know, I used to make the joke when people would meet me and say, oh, you're so much fun to talk to you. It's like I've known you all your life and stuff. And I said, that comes from the fact that I had to start over making <laughs> friends so many times. And I used to joke. If I talked to a brick wall, it would probably talk back to me, because I had so much practice meeting new people. So, right, I don't wish that kind of experience on anyone else. But it worked for me. Nice. Made made me gregarious. Yeah, I love
0: it. I love it. So tell me, so since you have since you finished the book and published it, how how recently was it published? Within the last year,
1: right? Uh, May the third.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, So nice. yeah. not long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was going to happen sooner than COVID put the kibosh on everything. Yeah. And they kept putting it away and putting it away. And finally I decided to, one time it going to be February. And I said, let's move it to May because it's a perfect Mother's Day gift. Remember whose little girl you are. I love that. And yeah. I did, I did use that a lot.
0: Yeah. So how are you finding You know, now that it's published and it's and it's getting out there, how are you finding are people, are you meeting more people? What are you enjoying about that process?
1: Well, I did I did plan myself. I had two events. One was at Books a Million and one was at a place in Gulf Breeze called Males a Breeze. And both of those were very successful events. The people that were with you know hosting me were wonderful, and Kathy Cool, who owns Gulf, the Gulf breeze when mail's a breeze, was so instrumental in getting people to come out to that. And um, at Books a Million, they handed out flyers and things like that. So, but I wish I had more of those to do. And I think I've got a publicist that's cooking up an event near Tallahassee, so that'll open up some new things. But what I'd love to do is go do it in Atlanta. Maybe we'll talk.
0: Let me know. Let me yeah. know if you're gonna be here. Would love to okay. would love to come out and see you. Would love to bring my friends. You know, can we could definitely get some people some okay. people out to see you if you if you come to Atlanta. And we can absolutely promote it on website and social media and you know, if you're right. You know, when you're here. So, yeah, definitely. We'll get a crowd out there for you.
1: Great. And the saddest thing, and it happened to a friend of mine in Toronto who published his memoir, is it's hard to promote it in the usual way because of the COVID scare. Yeah. People are avoiding coming out in groups. So it's hard. We don't have as much of a
0: problem around that in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, okay. You're right. Yeah. yeah. People are a little bit a little bit more open to come out to public events. So yeah. You know, of course everybody, you know, is safe and, and you know, we do everything we need to do, but but yeah, we I've been to some pretty good gatherings recently. So yeah. We'll definitely get you some promotion. Okay, I'll there. talk to you. Yeah. Public and, you know, for the Tallahassee one, I you know, I have some followers in Florida also. So let really? me know when that is and we'll, you know, we'll get the word out. I'll let you know all the details yeah. when I have them. Yeah. Uh, I great. love promoting, helping to promote
1: authors and get their books out into the world. I really was keen to have people read it because I I would like to show a different view of the South during the civil rights yeah. era. And we weren't all just sitting there thumbing our noses or whatever people did some of us were really out there and that comes across in the book I think
0: yeah and I thought so too and it gives an interesting insight into we're all just living our lives too and you know we're we're dealing with all of these social things and but there's just you know we're there's lives that we're living as well and I really enjoy that insight to just the honest insight into just the things that were happening during the time and how you and your family were you know just moving through all of that,
1: yeah. and we didn't mind being different that yeah. we were quite proud of the fact, right that we were doing what we thought was the right thing,
0: yeah, right, and, and i one of the most poignant things, I think for me is the the going to the Dairy Queen, which I remember Dairy Queen, and Good. going to the Dairy Queen and standing at the at the wrong window oh. to be served at the not at the whites only window. You went to the blacks only window, and that's uh, such a a bold thing to do during oh. that time. But it, it tells an interesting part of the part of your
1: story. Do you know that now that I'm back down here? I went to Andalusia and went to the Dairy Queen mm. and walked up to the window. They don't have separate windows now. Right. Yeah. And I had finally one of those corn, not corn dogs, chili dogs or something. Right. I couldn't get them to serve me. So that was fun. Yes. Yeah. I remember growing up with a Dairy Queen.
0: I was a little bit later, so I, I didn't experience the, you know, the
1: separate windows. But yeah, that's a, that's a big part of my It's a Southern thing, I think. I mean, even the water fountains, this wouldn't have been true in your lifetime when you were old enough to be thinking about it. But just the water fountains alone had the words on them, colored white. Right. And I I was always just stunned at that. Of course, I always rank out of the colored ones. And that's the wrong term nowadays, the black ones. (laughs) Fortunately, people grew out of that and became more... Are less bigoted. I hope. Anyway, I'm not not real sure about some people,
0: right? They're still, and you know, they're. Uh, I guess there are uh, there there always will be, but it, there's progress.
1: So, yeah, there's, yeah. So I mean, I see it even among my personal friends. Everybody's just so unprejudiced now and unbigoted. Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: So I have a a beautiful review of your book. I just want to share this with the audience. Remember Whose Little Girl You Are is a phenomenal memoir. Memoir, sorry. Oh my word, it's been years since I've read a book that not only kept me glued, turning every page as quick as I could, but laughing out loud in some of the quirky, funny moments. I fell in love with Ellen's style of writing. She makes you feel like you're sitting on a front porch in the deep South enjoying a glass of sweet tea And listening to a friend recount childhood memories and stories that leave you in stitches. And this is from Sandra, and she has the Diary of a Stay at Home, Stay at Home Mom block. I have to say, I read the book in probably two sittings. It was one of those that I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't sit down. And I love books like that. And it was, that was one of the things I did. I have to agree with her. it was quirky. It was funny. It was a little eccentric, which I love the Southern eccentric characters. And so, so yeah, I have to, I have to say, I, I agree with Sandra. So, how does it make you feel when you see some of these? I, I read quite a few of your reviews in, uh-huh. and they're all very positive, very good. How does it make you feel when you see, when you see reviews like that?
1: Yes. Thank you. People get it. They get what I was trying to do. And, uh, you know, I'm just so appreciative and thrilled that people feel the way they have been. And all those reviews, I can remember one that was more hesitant that tried to say, I don't know what she was trying to do. It was an odd format. Well, it wasn't a format, it was just me telling stories. Right. So, but I invite people to go to the website and look and read.
0: So we'll have the have a link to how to purchase the book on the show notes for the Bye. podcast. And we'll have a link to the website. So invite you to take a look at that. I highly recommend the book. So go purchase a copy of the book and take a look at the website. It's full of great information. You also do something interesting from a marketing perspective with your book. So do you want to share I get a lot of questions about marketing, book marketing. So do you want
1: to share what, you know, what you're doing with your bookmark and your. Yeah, well, I guess to start with the bookmark is like a business card. It has all the things that to but it's a bookmark because I'm promoting a book. Right. So it was my, husband, my husband's idea to make it a bookmark. That's a great idea. And it worked. It's done beautifully. And everybody that gets a book, gets a bookmark with it. So you can, but the most fun thing is these socks, the little girl, can you see on there, the little yeah. girl cover has on these socks.
0: And that's I, the cover of the book. The picture on the socks is that's the cover yeah. of the book also. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Here's a big, big version of it. Yeah. but you can see your socks. And then there's a little version of the cover on the socks themselves. But I don't know why it just popped into my head. Socks like that would be so much fun. So I got in touch with the designer of the cover, and said, do I have your permission to find somebody to make socks? And she said, oh, if you can, I'd love it. And so sure enough, I think it was called Custom Socks. They made them for me. And look, can you see folks? So this was a great promotional item. It really caught people's attention. And I guess marketing, I've been promoting it on my Facebook, other people's Facebooks, with my emails and asking people, pass it on when you get it and stuff. I've done specific reach outs to people like the Pensacola High School groups that I knew and that I went to school with all, of, you know, grammar school, junior high, high school. I've collected a ton of emails of the, those graduates from the, the members of my class and they bought a lot of books. So I recommend to people to go back to your child, or adulthood, your youth, I guess, And send it to people that, in fact, one of my favorite lines when I send it out to people is, grab a copy, you might be in it.
0: That's a great idea. I love that idea. And use, I love the idea that you're just reaching out to everyone, friends, family, old acquaintances, anyone you've known in the past. And I, I think that's one of the things that as book writers, we forget We think about the network we have today, but we have throughout our lives, we've known tons and tons of people. So, you know, it never hurts to reach, reach you back into the past and find people that all they can do is say no. So, you know, it never hurts to, to really, you know, look at everyone you've known throughout your life and they might be interested.
1: And don't be afraid to ask and don't worry if somebody isn't totally Praising your book, because remember Mae West said there's no such thing as bad publicity, right, so embrace everybody right. nice.
0: Thank you so much for for joining me today before we before we wrap up, though, what's your next thing? is there a second memoir? I know this one kind of wrapped up with you finishing college. So is there a second version or a second edition coming out?
1: I'm trying to think of a name for it now. I'm already in the throes of writing it. It's all about the years in Canada. I love it. It won't be as interesting with, I have no murderers that I knew in Canada, like I did in the South and no one has committed suicide. So it won't have that same aspect, but I really did have a fun, fun life up there. I love the people. I did some exciting things. I was president of the board of a orchestral group that played only contemporary music, and we commissioned living composers from around the world. So all of that will be in it, and I'll let you know when it's ready.
0: Yeah, please let me know and we'll have to, you'll have to come back on and talk about that book.
1: Yeah, and this is all good reasons to keep on living because I'm getting pretty old, but I call myself the Grandma Moses of memoirs. Nice. (laughs) But, you know, it just took me a while to get it published the first time.
0: Right. So I always ask, I'm always curious what other people are reading or what they have read. So what book or books have
1: you read recently or in the past that really inspire you? Well, I I heard the crawdads saying was one that I thought, this could be me. So I really liked that one. Um, I read Harper Lee's second and third book, but the one that really got me, of course, was To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Uh, I read a lot of mysteries, which probably don't have anything to do, but I read them to fall asleep. I read myself to sleep every night, and it's got to be something exciting enough to be fun to read. But not so good that it keeps you awake. Right. So right. nice. I
0: always when I'm working, when I'm real heavy in work, I don't let myself read enjoyable stuff because I get so into it. Yeah, that I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually kind of keep myself and then when I take a break, then I, I go find a good book and then I'll finish the whole thing in one second.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, one one thing that I did worry about when I named it. The book, when I first started writing, it was called Southern Men, and then a literary agent that I knew up in Toronto who couldn't do the book because it was about the Deep South. But he gave me advice. He said, "You need to expand it. You need to make it bigger." Mm -hmm. So what I did is I expanded everything, and it became more about the girl, right? Not just the Southern men that the girl got mixed up with, and that's phrase, remember remember whose little girl you are, I worried that people would look at that and look at the cover in the little girl's Mary Janes and think, oh, that's a girly book. That's chick chick book. It's not. And the men, Some of the men I know have read it as much as three times because mm. everybody finds the humor yeah. really addictive.
0: Yes. I do like where you explain the phrase.
1: Oh good. When um, you're
0: talking about your your mom and when when she would say that to you. Um it's, it's a big responsibility to have to, to remember where you daughter. came from and and that you're a representative of you know of your family and and all of that but then also being you know being able to be independent in in yourself as well. Yeah.
1: You know it's this just flashed in my head. My father once said to me, after I got in such trouble at Huntington College for going to meet the Selma marchers when we were told not to go to any kind of demonstration, I got into so much trouble. The next time I was going home, I thought, oh, I got to tell my parents that I'm in trouble. And I can remember, like it was yesterday, sitting around the dining room table and giving them the whole story. And my dad looked at me and he said, I should have been there. Wow. So... They never They never disapproved.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: That's yeah, great.:
0: Well, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed my time. Thank you for spending some time with me. I know that the listeners will enjoy listening to you as well, and hopefully they'll go out and buy the book. I highly recommend it. it's such a It's such a great read. And especially if you're from the South, I think you'll see a lot of things yourself in the stories. So thank you for joining us. And I look forward to talking to you again when the next book is available. I'll I'll let you know. I'm working away on it. All right. Thank you. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Authors Way podcast. I'd love to hear from you about any future topics you'd like me to cover or other authors you would like to hear from. Head over to my Facebook page, The Author's Way, like that page, and join a community of writers, authors, and fans. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.